When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic Podcast. My name is Daniel Conn and delighted to be joined by Record Sports Craig Swan and Michael Gannon. Guys, how are you both? Yep, good, thank you. Good afternoon, chaps. Nice uh, nice uh, sunny bank holiday Monday, isn't it? Yes, indeed, it's a lovely day outside. Right, chuck it down as always, every bank holiday, isn't it? It's always <laughs> the same. What's a, what's a bank holiday? Oh, that's true. <laughs> the bank's on holiday. Uh. <laughs> well, I should say, happy coronation weekend because... Of course, for everyone else in the UK, that refers to King Charles. But for Celtic fans, the, the, the Scottish champions were crowned again this weekend. Celtic, two years in a row, 11 out of 12. Um, we'll talk about the game, obviously, in, in a moment. But an amazing achievement, Mike, for you know, Ange Postacoglu and his players. It, is, it really is. I mean, uh, nearly a year ago, um, Postacoglu was on the pitch at, at Parkhead. And he was addressing the fans and he, and he kind of vowed that they're going to come back better and stronger the following year. And it, listen, that sounded like a lofty kind of promise because it, last year it was a kind of unlikely, remarkable triumph. But they have come back this year and they have been better, they have been stronger. This year has been so impressive. I mean, the league was won weeks and months ago, um, but they've been utterly relentless from the start. They're now on course to, to break points records. Even if they don't get there, it's still been a remarkable season. They've been utterly dominant. Um, and it, listen, the last couple of weeks, they've, they've kind of... They stumbled towards the line. They've maybe not been quite at their, their, their free flowing best, but if you look back at the periods of the season where they did the real damage, they were absolutely outstanding. They blew teams away and they've been utterly dominant. Uh, it's fully deserved. But four games this year, it's been done with a bit of room as well. Uh, very impressive. And you, you sense, Wani, that after the, you know, during the celebrations after the game yesterday, and I thought he was a bit more uh, emotional than he normally is. I think even it kind of hit home for him. There's obviously the treble of being his sights now, but getting that second league over the line, you could see that it meant so much to him. Yeah, I think that there was possibly expectation uh, on this season that wasn't maybe there last year. Now, of course, Ange Postecoglou will have put pressure on himself and at no point when he took over the job did he ever say, I need time, I need transfer windows. He said, I need success and I need it now. But last year was such a kind of whirlwind, the way they... They, they fought back when nobody gave them a chance and they won it. It was all kind of euphoric, whereas it almost felt yesterday as if there had been a lot of pressure on this season and to be able, as Michael says, to, you know, I don't think it was such a big thing to win it this year as it was last year, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But the way they've won it this year, 
the standard that they've set, they did actually improve on last season. I think Postacoglu was probably taking all that in on, on Sunday, just the sheer level of achievement and the heights that the team have hit this season. It's been incredible what they've done. As I said, to actually win it was probably more of a surprise that his team won it last season. But to then win it in the manner that they did it this season was probably even more impressive. So you can understand them taking all that in. We'll, we'll come back. We'll come back, obviously, to the title celebrations and, and and what it means and what have you. But talk about the game, obviously itself first. Um, Mick, a lot of talking points from this one. I actually, thought Hearts in the first half and Titler played quite well, pushed Celtic um, quite hard. Um, what did you think of the, the Cochrane red card to start off with? Did you think it was a, a red card or was a yellow enough? I don't think. I don't, I don't get the fuss. It's a red card. It's a red card every day of the week. I, don't, I genuinely do not understand why there's any debate about it. The ball goes over the top, Atati is through and goal, the defenders are nowhere near him, he can either put the ball in the back of it himself or square it to Kyogo, and he's clipped it. Listen, the boy, I don't think he meant it, but if you look at the, the, the replays, Cochrane right away knows he's in deep, deep trouble. Mm-hmm. I think he'd be surprised to see a yellow card at first. So, VR, is that a clear off error? Yeah, it's a, it's a red card. Listen, it, it's it's half but in the, in the way that the game is now, that's a red card. And I, I don't quite understand some of the, the, the outcry against it. I mean, listen, if you're a Hearts fan, a Hearts player, a Hearts manager team, you, you feel a bit hard done by. They played so well. I think you've done the service. I thought Hearts were excellent for half an hour yesterday. Right. But um, I don't think I've seen Celtic rattled like that all season. The way they had, um, the way they pressed, they harassed, listen, they could not do that for 90 minutes. I mean, you actually saw it the, the 10 minutes before the goal, uh, before the, 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 the card, sorry. You see the intensity dropping. I think hearts were blown. I think they put in a lot to that first half an hour. Severely rattled Celtic, and then and then they started to tail off. So I think the game was heading in a different direction anyway. The red card just um, uh, expedited that process. But I don't I don't get the first round instant itself. I think it's a red card. Um, Solar one for hearts, yes, but definitely red. And I still think the game is heading that direction anyway, regardless of the, the card. Did you see it the same way, Swanee? Ed, Michael and I sat next to each other at the game um, and when Maida was clipped and the yellow card came out, we both kind of looked at each other and went, ooh, Mike got away with one there. Yeah. He might have got away with one because the way I, I, we had a different angle in the stadium from what you have on the television. We were on the other side and what I could see was quite a basic square pass in for Kyle go to finish. I thought, oh, he's, well, he's, he, you know, even if he can't shoot himself, that's a goal scoring opportunity because he passed Kyle go to finish. So, I wasn't surprised that it was referred. Again, I agree with Mick in terms of the game. This is something we're starting to see more and more now. It, it was it was evident in the the Via Play Cup final and the Scottish Cup semi final um, when Rangers really got after Celtic in the first stages of the game. And Celtic have just learned this way of kind of soaking it up, seeing it through, sizing it up, almost let teams blow themselves out. And then once it gets to the 30, 35 minute mark, they've, they've kind of sized up the situation, start passing away into the game, start to get a foothold. Like Michael, I felt as though they were just starting to get the, a foothold in the game when the red card came and the red card. The other thing I would say is that it's noticeable that teams, if you look at the way there was a lot of discussion of Rangers attacking players almost being negated because they've all got jobs to stop Celtic playing. And you looked at Hearts yesterday and their top scorer, Lorne Shanklin, was basically kind of half detailed to look after Callum McGregor when Celtic got the ball, chase mm-hmm. him back and sit on Callum McGregor. Teams, in order to stay with Celtic early in games, are almost negating their own attacking options. 
And Celtic can see that. They know that. So the chances of our team scoring is lessened. And as long as they just grow into the game, they're going to eventually get their own chances and pick them off. It's becoming more and more of a theme I've noticed in the past four or six weeks. See, yeah. I still thought I still thought Hearts. I mean, listen, they didn't really have a shot on target. I mean, the one from Strangle on the header was actually offside. Um, yeah, they were actually a shot on shot on target, which kind of defeats the argument we're making here. But I actually thought for the half an hour, I mean, there were some frantic clearances from Celtic, hoofing the ball with their own bar and all that stuff. And at one yeah. point. Celtic actually slowed the game down. I think it was Matt O'Reilly with his book came off, and he thought it took five, but it took uh, a wee extra mo- that moment to take time, calm the game down. And that's the first time we've seen Celtic doing that, really, like calming a game down. Usually, Celtic are the ones that are helpful for leather, get the ball back in play, rushing through, and um, trying to catch teams off guard. So that just shows you that Hearts, Hearts were quite effective in doing it. What they're starting to do, what they're starting to do now, Michael, is take the sting out of teams when they're blowing themselves out, and then Celtic play at their tempo. Yeah. Would they get in charge of the game? Because yeah. by that time, the opposition's starting to get out on their feet and then Celtic start playing it quickly. Yeah, but also, listen, I also think Celtic weren't at their best. And I still think... Well, they're the best, I don't deny that. I think the last few weeks Celtic have... I mean, I think Ange probably met them himself. They've tightened up a wee bit because the finishing line approaches, it's only natural to tighten up a bit. And I think some of the, the kind of free-flowing stuff that, that they played all season uh, with the handbrake off, I think it does become... That's that just that wee element of doubt that... They take the safe pass rather than the, the kind of Hollywood ball. They don't, they don't pass a ball to the guy with two guys at their back. They do the hell in the season. They take the safer option. And that's, that's it's only natural. And it's, it's taken a wee bit away from Celtic in recent weeks as, as things get tightened up. Um, but it just shows you the quality they have. That even in those instances, they still get the job done with a bit of room to spare. See, just, uh, Swanee, you mentioned uh, Cal McGregor there. And again, I thought he was outstanding yesterday thought he was absolutely brilliant i know he's kind of famed for the way he controls games and the way he reads games but i see the way he carried the ball at times yesterday absolutely yeah. brilliant the way he went by players um and just on that as well so it's <laughs> having this debate with my mate at the weekend right engine aside right i think rio tati could play for almost any team in europe i know it's a massive shout but his touch the way he controls the ball he's pretty so good absolutely brilliant I think you could say the same about Callum McGregor to me. Exactly. Aye. McGregor's every bit as good. Aye. I, I, I did say in my, in my match report for the game that there was a there was a point yesterday, just at the point that Michael was talking about. I remember exactly what minute it was. Somebody, no doubt, will, listening will, will know. But Callum McGregor at the ball at the edge of the box, he almost went 50, 60 yards, carried it all the way up the touchline. It was almost Aye. like the moment I broke the spell. From that moment, it kind of was like, okay, right, everything's fine here. In terms of Celtic, you know, it was almost like a, a moment that just relieved a few things. You know, he was riding tackles and all the way up the touchline. And he's just got it's just good players and, and leaders just do things. Scott Brown used to do it differently. Scott Brown would career through somebody or, you know, he would do something or he would scream at a teammate or just do something to get the team roasted. And McGregor kind of does it by example in a slightly different way. He'll maybe he'll do something, he'll carry the ball, he'll just do something that the rest of the team can I look at him and go, right, okay, this is what needs to happen now. He's he's different class. In terms of, of Hakati, I, I think we would all agree he's, he's not back up to speed yet after being out with that six weeks with the injury. The last two games we've seen him, but there's no doubt the touch and the quality. And he got stronger as the game went on yesterday. And again, he's got that one thing that midfield players, the really top midfield players have, timing of run. Yeah. I mean, everybody said Callum McGregor put Real Atati through yesterday. Real Atati, uh, Callum McGregor didn't put Real Atati through. Real Atati ran through it and it was the fact that Callum McGregor spotted it and picked the pass. No run, no pass. There's no pass on. 
Hatati's away before McGregor sees it. And mid, good midfield players these days can just do that. Midfield players that get beyond front players are worth their weight in gold. If you mix that in with touch and technique and ability to finish yourself, it's a pretty potent combination. And elsewhere in the game, I feel like I should touch on um, Kobayashi, Mick. I thought came in and, and did well. He looks like a, a very able deputy to, to Carter Vickers. I think he's looked good at times. I think he did half an hour, the half that first half an hour. I think he's been minutes, Mick. I think he, at one point, he attempted the header and he hit it off his own knee and it caused chaos. I think he was in a, I think he, he had a bit of a culture shock at that point. Um, but he settled down and he played. I think he's, I mean, you can see his, his strength of the ball, his feet, isn't he? He's great at bringing the ball out uh, and stepping into the hole. Um, he, he's, he's definitely a modern centre half. Um, but I think these are these are experiences. I think that will do them really good. I, mean, I, I mentioned before his, his debut against St. Murray when, when Curtis Mayer was trying <laughs> to ragdoll him, and he get through it. And I think this is another one. I think for all that first twenty minutes, for a bit here and scale for him, I think it will stand him in good stead. I think I, I think it will be absolutely invaluable. He's, a, he's definitely a player, isn't he? I mean, he's he's, he's really cool. I mean, even after that, we spell. I mean, he's still killing the ball, still demanding it, still taking it in tight areas and passing the ball out. Um, which is certainly need that. Listen, he's not he's not going to be Carter Vickers. Carter Vickers was one of the standout players of the season, one of the best players in the country. Um, but in terms of one for the future, he looks like he looks a right good buy, doesn't he? No, definitely. And I should say as well, Swanee, that after the the, the, the Barkas kind of farce, I thought another clean sheet for Joe Hart yesterday, hundred games for Celtic. Um it's been an inspired bit of business because his career was going nowhere in England. He's been brilliant. He's just such a calming influence, and it's quite different. It's, it's interesting, actually. Obviously, people mature with age, and they change the way they are. But there was often this sort of caricature of Joe Hart when he was down south. He was eccentric and loud, and you know, jumping about and brash, a bit like Jordan Pickford might be just now. But he's been the polar opposite since he's been at Celtic. Obviously, experiences through the years, and he's just so calm. Just gives off such a cap. Don't get me wrong, Celtic fans are out of panic sometimes when he's passing the ball on about his own his own six yard line or you know, he's taking chances, but that's what he's told to do. And um he, he's done it since he's come. There's been one or two that have gone wrong. I think it was one in Leipzig went wrong, there's maybe another couple, but in general that's the way Celtic play and he just exudes total calm when he does it. it. Just he just looks very authoritative. And I think the other thing is you can tell just with the way that other players respond around him that he's a real power in the dressing room alongside your Callum McGregor's and Greg Taylor's guys like that he really seems to be one of the real leaders in there that, that the younger players can look up to and why would you not given the fact he's 36 and a lot of these boys in here are their early to mid-20s why would you not look at someone like Joe Hart and the players he's played with and the levels he's played at he, he's been a brilliant signing there's been so many of the signings in the Ange Postacoglu era that you could go through and say incredible bit of business incredible bit of business and Joe Hart would have to be right up there as well why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I know we've, we've, I feel like I've talked about it a couple of times in the, on the podcast, but I feel like I have to just round off yesterday by bringing it up. Mick, I've got no idea how you could differentiate between, you know, Kyle, Go McGregor, Carter Vickers, like for player of the year. I, I mean, for the guys voting, Good luck, because I've got no idea who, who you choose. No, I, t- I tend to agree with you. I think it's a difficult one. I mean, it's hard to see past. I mean, Kyogo, 30 goals for the season. I think that's 50 goals in 76 games for Celtic. I mean, outstanding. I mean, the wee fella is just... I mean, he hardly touched the ball sometimes. I think he had nine touches of the game yesterday. Uh, and one of them is the, is the key moment, the, the key breakthrough, that run. I mean, Hearts, how many times is he going to do that against Hearts? That same goal. Uh, yeah. that, that attack in the front post and score. Um, and the goal scorers always get the awards. I mean, personally, I, I mean, touch on touch on it before. I think Callum McGregor is the best player in the country. So for me, I think he he is the player of the year. And um, he missed a chunk of the season, which might go against him in terms of the vote. But in terms of an overall football player and influence, uh, the full package, I think it's hard to see past McGregor as as the best player in the country. Um, but there's arguments for all of them. Hatati, um, again, I've touched on it again. He's he's, he's been outstanding, a, a real driving force. Carter Vickers is another one. Um, I don't think you can give a defender the player of the year when they score 105 goals so far. I don't think, I think that'd be some cheap giving it to a set of half. Um, but yeah, it's a tricky one. See, I, I think McGregor would be the one I would look to as the, as the best, but I, I don't think anybody would have any complaints if it was Kyogo or Hatati. Um, maybe even Jota. I'm looking at Jota's influence in that team as well. Um, he seems to have kind of, not, I'm not saying under the radar, but he's, he's not big at the headlines uh, as much. Uh, in, in recent months, but he's been terrific as well. He's got some great goals, important assists. Um, and listen, even a case, I think, I think for um, somebody like Dyson Maida, a guy who's always there, he's mm-hmm. always playing, and he's so effective. I think uh, he's a little bit kind of... Um, Almost the best player, Greg Taylor. Greg, well, I was going to say, most, Greg Taylor's most. another one. Listen, he does. He's he's not he's not a flair player. But honestly, Greg Taylor, when he, I think he's one of the ones that they miss more than anybody mm-hmm. in the team. And I don't mean that against Alessandro Bernabe. I just mean the way the team functions. The amount of goals Greg Taylor creates yeah. with that pass inside for Meda. They just they, they they play so well when he's in the team. He's such a good player. I really think he's he never gets mentioned in these things. Listen, hand on heart. Is he going to get player of the year ahead of Kyogo and Carter Vickers? Probably not. Of course, he probably shouldn't. But I just feel like he deserves to be mentioned in these things because he never gets mentioned. And I think he's become absolutely priceless to that Celtic team. It sounds up to one. Actually, we were talking to him. I was talking to him, interviewing him the other week. And I said to him, I said, Oh, you've been listed. You've been named as a potential player of the year. And he went, Have I? <laughs> he actually was quite surprised to even hear himself be listed in that. Which just shows you a humble attitude. But he had been absolutely terrific. Um, and I think his manager would say the same thing. He is one of the first names in the team sheet now, isn't he? Absolutely, hundred percent. I just, I just feel like he's. Let's get you know, Celtic can do without Alistair Johnson. They've got Tony Dalson. They can do without as we call by They can do without Hatati. They've got Aaron Moy. They can do without Maida. They've got Abada. They can do without Jota. They've got James Forrest. 
no really sure they can do without Greg Taylor at the same levels. I don't know if you've noticed it, Swan, as well. I think with Greg Taylor as well, he's, he's matured so much in this last kind of, 18 months, two years as well. And we kind of joke about how often he does the kind of media duties. Um, and it's the reason why he gets, he gets put out to do these things. He's such a safe pair of hands. He's really mature. I think he, I think he, he's learned a lot from Callum McGregor. Yeah. Uh, and he is. I mean, he's still a young, a young lad, Greg Taylor. But he, he does, I think you mentioned it earlier on, he has been made a kind of real key figure in that dressing room. Um, a real calm influence, confident, well-spoken, gritty little player who is who knows his role now and he's he's comfortable in his role. And I, I think I've been really impressed with him uh, on and off the pitch this season. We obviously it deserves a big shout, but Swanee, would you ha- you wouldn't have him as your out and out player in the origin? If I put no, I did, I, did, I, did, I, did, I did say that, that no. like, on heart. Do I think he would get it ahead of a Kyogo or something? No, I don't think he would, and I'm not sure he would deserve to because Kyogo's thirty goals have been no. since April, and, and I like Michael believe Callum McGregor is the best player in the country, and and probably we may see in a few years' time that Hatati becomes better than that. But right now, in terms of influence on a team. I think Callum McGregor still has the biggest influence on the team, so yeah. on the on the team overall. So I would have it between Kyogo and Callum McGregor. But the only reason I brought it up was I just felt that all these names get mentioned and Greg Taylor never gets mentioned. He constantly gets overlooked. No, I think it's a great shout, eh? Definitely. Um obviously after the game yesterday we saw the celebrations outside Celtic Park. Um and I know we've got the Scottish Cup final to come. Um but inevitably fans and Hunters will be looking ahead towards next season and looking at the summer and what have you. I mean, we, Mick, if you're Ange, how do you, how do you look at it? I mean, there's going to be all speculation around him in, in the summer as well. But you, all, you get the, 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 the feeling of him that he's already plotting next season, how he's going to approach it. Without a doubt. Listen, we know what the next hurdle for him is. And it's going to be Europe. It's how do they how do they get to that next level in Europe? Um, and he knows that as well. Um I think Celtic were, were half decent in the Champions League this year. I don't think they were poor. Um, I think the results, they were unfortunate because he's been sitting on five, six points after after the group stages. And I know that's not exactly lofty heights, but at that level now, the competition is so heavily weighed in the favour of the bigger teams. That it's tough. But the, day, the days of finishing the top two in Champions League are going to be so difficult to get to that stage. Um, but... Competing in these games and getting to maybe competing for a second spot and get if you get that third spot to get into the Europa League after Christmas, that's success. I think that's got to be his target. I think he's got to get European football after Christmas next year by finishing either third or maybe even competing for a second in the Europe series. Listen, it's not easy. I mean, we kind of demand this of teams from Scotland to go and compete at that level, but. I mean, the reality is financially. I mean, Celtic and Rangers have got budgets of the bottom, bottom of the Premier League, top of the Championship, and you wouldn't have expected Burnley to go and compete the Champions League. I mean, you wouldn't, you just wouldn't. And that's the, but that's the reality. The demands are there without the kind of financial um, backing. Um, so he's got to make it work. I think that's his next challenge. He's trying to find a way to take a scalp, to take a, to beat a, to beat the better teams. Um, even he's, he's, he's shown they can beat. Teams that are on a par and can inferior, no problem at all. It's going and going competing against a, a better team and seeing how they go. So that's the big challenge. Uh, how he gets there, I don't know. You look at that squad, you think, where does he buy? I mean, who did he replace? You think, well, it's tough because I mean, I don't think there's much. I mean, what kind of money is going to take it cost to upgrade some of these guys? But I think there will be. I think there'll be departures in summer. I think, regardless of um, how it's looking, I think there will be teams that come in for certain players. I don't think. 
Postacoglu's got too worried, really. I don't think he's confident in his own ability to recruit. I don't think he's going to be having sleepless nights about losing a, a player or two. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's going to be interesting summer in, in both directions. So, so and he'll look at he'll look at that Rangers team getting to the final last season and think he's a, you know his Celtic team are every bit as capable of matching those exploits in Europe. Yeah, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. If if Rangers could, could get to the final and Celtic were better them in the league, then it, it stands to reason that, that that they should be able to do it. So it was interesting last year in the Europa League. I mean, Celtic never said it. But all the vibe you felt all around the Bordeaux glimp tie was the league was all that really mattered and getting to the Champions League the following season. I'm not suggesting for a second they didn't try against Bordeaux glimp, but it just never felt there was the edge in those games. I think even for a lot of the supporters, they almost kind of just passed it over. Um, you know, it was a comprehensive defeat in aggregate. Not what you were expecting. I know Bordeaux glimp had been great and taking the scalp of Roma and stuff like that, but he would have he would have been looking for better than that, I would have thought. So I don't know, I'm, I'm with Michael, it's just such a tough, tough gap to bridge. You know, Celtic playing teams like Real Madrid last, uh, I want to say I said last season, this season obviously, they'll count the World Cup, pre-World Cup period, almost like last season, feels so long ago. Um, trying to get results off teams like Real Madrid and things like that, very difficult. I mean, even, I think when Celtic played Leipzig, I thought we sitting at the game and Leipzig's front line was something like 120 million quid or something like that. And I know you don't, you can't count it just on transfer fees, but that's the level of player that, that they're up against. And it's very, very difficult. I don't know. I'm like Michael. I don't know how he does it. It's such a tough job. The one thing he's got in his favour is, and he has said he's got a young, improving team. They're all going to have a year's more experience under their belt. They've had the experience of playing in the Champions League, so hopefully that will stand them in good stead when they go in there. But it's unbelievably difficult and. I think we saw. I don't know if it, I mean I don't think the age group of the team was exactly the same, but I think Brent. If I've got this right, you guys correct me if I'm wrong. But I'm pretty certain when Brendan Rodgers' team first went in, they did well. You know, they, they emerged with a lot of credit for the first season in the, in the Champions League. They then went back the next season and almost regressed. It it it, it, it just gets harder every year the Champions League. No, and they didn't do as well the next year, and then it was kind of. The parts in the head kind of draw dry up a wee bit, and then becomes well. Why are you struggling for results? I think you know, it goes without saying you need like a lot of good luck, you know, a bit of good fortune in the draw and what have you. But I, I think that's what separates Angie at the minute from being a real. Kid. I don't think I don't think Celtic had a devastatingly bad draw last season. You no. think you know Leipzig were not the elite of the the pot that they were in. Shakhtar Donetsk the no. same. You know, I think you could make an argument that probably Rangers got a tougher grip. Oh, I, I, I'd agree with that. That's cool. So, you know, I, I'm not sure, you know, like, there was a lot worse with that. I remember at the time of the draw, looking at it and thinking, that could have been worse. Certainly I've got a chance here. Because as always, you get lost. Reality gets lost. You just, oh, that, that can happen. And then, as I say, you then start to go through the squads. I think what had happened is, had Rangers not got a result against Leipzig in the Europa League the year before, something like that, people are kind of saying, oh, you know, they're beatable and this and that. But it's just so tough. It's just so difficult. Yeah, I think I think there's a slightly a chance missed. I think I think Shakhtar Donetsk and they're a good side. Um, but in circumstances at that time, Celtic should have beat them away from home. Instead, they were so dominant that night, missed so many chances. That was a, that was a big one. Yeah. Uh, you get that result, I think they finished third. And I think that is a good achievement in that group. 
actually competing Leipzig are a good side as well. I mean, I know the Rangers thing the year before, but they're, yeah. they're a very good team. So I think if they got third, I mean, that, that's a successful campaign. Not getting that result out there, which put pressure on the home game, which then reflected obviously badly eventually. Um, I think a chance missed. But in that environment, it's so unforgiving. I mean, Celtic missed a lot of chances. I mean, Two sitters against Real Madrid and nothing each, didn't they? No. What if? But you know what? Real Madrid, it doesn't matter. I mean, I've seen teams do that in the past. Real Madrid, new teams are two goals start, come back and win four or five. So, uh, well, there are two goals behind Manchester City in any extra time or something. Wow. Any time you still put them out. That's what, that's what Real Madrid do. <laughs> Real Madrid do. Yeah. So, yeah, at that level, you you're, you're really are struggling. But I think that's that, it'd be interesting to see how how it approaches it next year. Um, because I still think they need to, they need to change the way they play, and I think they will change the way they play. I think the signing of uh, Awata is really interesting. He looks like a top operator, um, Tomoki Awata. But at the, mo- at the moment, the way they play, I think I don't see how he fits in the team. Really, I, mean, I think certainly they played him and McGregor far forward. It takes a wee bit away from the team in terms of McGregor and the guys in attacking areas. I think he's naturally a more kind of defensive player. Um, I think you might see a change in formation in Europe next year. I think I think this is going to be. I think that's why he signed them. I think it's, it's a view to Europe, and I think you won't you won't quite see the the kind of all guns blazing approach that we saw last this season. Because uh, I think Angel will evolve and he'll learn from this year. I think about a whole new. I think about a whole new kind of game plan for Europe. It will be really interesting. Um, it might go against his own natural tendencies. But listen, I don't quite. I've said before. I don't quite buy the this this. Um, Mythology about Ange being a swashbuckler and all gung ho kind of manager. He knows how to manage a game. I've saw it in the recent games against Rangers at Hamden. He's had Celtic Park as well. He knows how to manage a game. Um, but now we'll find out how to manage a game at the real top level. He's got a taste of it now. We'll find out next season how he can how he adapts it. And uh, we've got this, uh, uh, Nick. I've definitely you are taking this in the pod before, so I wondered what you, your thoughts on this are, Tony. Am I really naive, right, to think that? Not just Ange, but maybe Kyogo and Hatate as well. Am I naive to think that he wouldn't necessarily go to a lower Premier League side? That maybe if you were talking about Arsenal comes in, that's very hard to turn down. But I, th- I honestly think if you know a Burnley, a Sheffield United, a Palace come in for Ange, I like to think he'd know, you know, that staying with Celtic would be the better move. I don't think it's naive. I mean, I think each case is different on its own merits. Um, you know, each individual person has different goals and different things that they want to achieve. You have, you know, you have, you have certain people have connections to, to England or certain places. Like, for instance, there was always, there was always a realistic chance Brendan Rodgers was going to go back to England. Stephen Gerrard, when he was at Rangers, being from England, was always going to be pulled to the English Premier League. You look at Ange Postecoglou, you don't know, do you? My my hunch is probably not. I don't think he would go to one of the lower ones, but only Ange Postecoglou knows that. I certainly look at the players. I mean, Kyogo's 28 now. Mm-hmm. I think he's almost found home now, playing at the highest level in, in, in European football and, and, and having the adulation of the Celtic fans. You look at someone like Rio Hattai, I'm not sure they would go to to lower places in England. I think there's there's bigger places for these boys to go to. Um, but you have to take it on each individual case. Just the three you've mentioned, I'm not sure going to a lower level would float their boat when they're at the elite of Europe to, to play against and all that that brings with it. But 
only these guys will know. I think I, I think Angel's still be there next season, Mick. Do you agree? <laughs> Not to put you in the spot. <laughs> you know, well, I think, you just can't answer your own question, Daniel. Depends on who who, who wants him. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. I think you stay, but I just feel like when I talk to friends and other people, they say, "Nah, Premier League, it's too big a carrot, money." But I, I don't know. I just he's an older guy, and in managerial terms, and I think he realizes that how big a club Celtic is. I think that's what I mean to say. I just, I just think look at the amount of jobs that have occurred in England this year. I mean, there's things like fourteen jobs that came round in the English this year, some twice and three times. You look at likes of Brighton, Southampton, Leeds, Leicester, Crystal Palace. I mean, and then you go to Everton, Spurs. I mean, forgetting about, I think Chelsea and all that stuff are maybe a bit elite too too far. I, think, I don't know where their model is. Um, so he's not gone to any of these those jobs. I mean, listen, his name has been in the frame for pretty much all of them at some point um, or whatever. Um, so you wonder where where the calls come from. Unfortunately, English people don't rate. In Scotland, mm-hmm. they just don't. And um, so, if you're a, if you're a that's, that's total snobbery, Matt. Totally, that's not that's quite, quite, quite why, quite why you know Chelsea would go to Brighton for Graham Potter before they would go to Celtic for Ange Postecoglou defeats me. Totally, but totally. that's what you do. That's but you know, for a, you know, for a fact, so nobody, you know, for a fact, the days of the days, and they say, Listen, this guy's got a lot of buzz about him. He knows what you're doing. He's, and you go, well, he's won titles in Australia, Japan, and Scotland. And unfortunately, those three are up together. And they're like, well, gamble. It's a gamble. Those yeah. countries aren't, aren't Spain. They aren't Germany. They aren't Italy. They aren't France. Well, yeah. I like it or not, that's... And I, I think, is it harsh on, on the guy himself? Without a doubt, he's been successful everywhere he's been, yeah. uh, including his national team. But that's the snobbery. English football... And by, and by the way, Michael, and those that... that, that that, that have gone before him. Totally. Listen, Neil Lennon. Neil, Neil Lennon got Last Neil Lennon got bolting. Brendan Rogers, even who'd almost won a title at Liverpool, mm-hmm. had to go for disrespectful uh, yeah. Leicester. But you know, oh, there was big jobs kicking about and no one really gave him a sniff. He was winning treble yeah. after treble at Celtic. Yeah. It's almost like they've forgotten what he'd done at Liverpool, it didn't matter. If Portugal was going to do conquer England as such, I think he might have to go to the, the upper end of the championship. A team that's that's really forward thinking, give him a, give him the full the full reins and take him into the I think it has written the Premier League through the championship, I think. And then it's a question of would they do that? Um you look at no, his age. Not a chance. No, not think a chance. I don't think that. I don't think he would do that. I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't I don't think so either. Um no. but if I'm if I'm plotting his, if you're plotting your career, I think that's maybe your only route into the Premier League. If you're not getting if you're not something saying if you're not getting Leeds, if you're not getting Southampton, you're not getting Brighton, you're not getting Palace, you're not getting Everton when they're, when they're going down the dumps, if you're not getting these jobs, you're not getting Spurs, you're not getting Chelsea, you're not getting Man City. The one thing Arsenal. we don't the one thing we can't be sure of, Michael, is if these clubs didn't ask. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. You may yeah. well all ask and be told nope. It's a fair point. But then you but then you look at the guys they went to, Swanee. Ask Roy Hodgson, Everton, Sean Dice, you know I mean? Uh, Leeds, Sam Ardice. I mean, look that's at the guys. I mean. That's what I mean. You wonder if they ask. You look at the guys they go to when they're in trouble. Do you know? I think if the phone call comes in, in March for one of these teams, I think you're right to go down. You're all right. Um, it's a different story that comes in the summer. If an Everton come in in the summer when they're selling, if they're selling the Premier League, that's a big question. They're a big club. Um, if a Leeds same, same situation, that's, that's a different kind of question. In February, March, April, forget it. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah. Um, because we know, because we, we know, 
from our from our from our colleagues in the south that Leicester were interested mm -hmm. in it. Mm -hmm. but, but you know, before they made the, the, the appointment. Um yeah. and they got the, the vibe was that they were just giving short stuff that that wouldn't be happening. Yeah. At that yeah. stage of the season. So that was that was that was the message is what we got from from down south from around about that area. So yeah. it, was, it was never a non starter for them because they were just told it's not happening. So you wonder yeah. who else asked the question. True. But you also know he's not just be a case that they didn't fancy him. No. But it's all he's up but it's also the case he, he's a manager who's lived out his suitcase for most of his career. He has been willing to travel and go and take jobs and all that stuff. So um but I I, I can't I, I don't I I don't know where the phone call comes from and I don't see him jumping at any old job. Um yeah. I've but, just got to put I've just got to put my hand in my, in my I've just got to put my hands up and say I don't have a clue. No, I think I'm exactly the same because you just don't know. And as a manager, you have to strike while you're hot. I mean, because there's plenty of times as a manager the phone won't ring at all. So sometimes if you're hot, you need to go. Uh, um, so it just depends. The money up down in England is so is so vast. You couldn't you couldn't judge anyone to, to to take that chance unless he's a guy who believes in himself. I was Absolutely. going to say, Michael, I don't even think it's just car. I think it's just, you listen to Ange Postecoglou. I was there at the press conference when he got unveiled and there was no at Celtic. There wasn't any, we were quite within our rights to ask him questions about, you know, your 25 points of a deficit to make up and yeah. the squads in a state and guys I want to leave, like Odds and Edward. And he just basically said, I'll, as long as this team plays the way I want to play, they'll be successful. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like just good managers just believe that. Yeah. All managers just believe they can just go in and do anything anywhere. They just believe. So, if you were to say be a, a, a 14th place team in the English Premier League or something, I'm supposed to call we would believe he would have them in Europe by the end of that season and in the Champions League by the season after. That's just yeah. how he thinks. Yeah. He, that's that's not my opinion. It's just listening to him speak. Yeah. Well, he heard it, he heard it yesterday. He was asked yesterday. Someone said to him, um, could you imagine being this person when you first came into the club and that first adult with hearts back in July? 2021, and you looked at, looked at him as if he'd nicked one of his chips from his plate. He's like, yeah, I did, mate. <laughs> like, yeah, I did. He, said, he, got, he got the mate treatment. He goes, yeah, yeah. I did. He's like, I, I fully expected to be sitting here with, with two titles. And yeah. um, I think it's, I'm not, it's not arrogance. I just believe in what I do. And yeah. that's, that's what, he would be exactly the same no matter who, who calls him. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, it will be interesting. I, I, I don't think, I don't think anyone can say for sure He's definitely going to be at Celtic for the next one, two, three, four, five years. It might well be. It might well be. But uh, likewise, it depends on the phone call in the summer. Um, it may make things interesting. Um, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see, I think. I think it's all about showbiz, as you say, Michael. So I, think, I think Celtic fans understand that as well. I think if a decent club came in, I mean, in the summer, and they, and they, and they went, I think they'd be absolutely devastated that I'm going now. But I don't think there'd be the same outcry there was when, when Brendan Rodgers left. No. At that the season. I think everyone understands that that the marketplace the way it is. That if I, if, I, if I, an Everton or Leeds or one interesting clubs in England, even like a, even like a Brentford and all that stuff, these interesting clubs that are doing things differently. I mean, if they did make that call, I, I mean, it might be it might be an awkward one. Um, but I don't think it'd be judged. Uh, a move a devastating would be for for players they'd be, they'd be wailing in the streets and all that stuff if they did leave but there wouldn't be the same backlash as there was for, for Brendan and I think that's the same for players as well Michael 
yeah. I think yeah. if anyone got a good offer and went, I think they would go well. The, the blessing of, of all the supporters be, be for what they've done. Yeah. For the team. Um, I don't think anybody would begrudge anybody a move, to be perfectly honest with you. Well, it depends what, it depends what well, I think. I think a few punters, I mean, you look at like, Jackie Mackey's going to the MLS and you think, wait a minute, what are you doing that for and all that stuff? And maybe even, uh, it's just slightly misguided. They're an ambitious team themselves, tracking the Champions League. Um, so that, that uh, the noses raised at that kind of stuff. Um, so it depends where they went. But if it's a decent club at a decent level, I don't think anybody would, would be grumbling too much or grudging them too much. But, um, I, I, I'll give you Jackie Marcus, but I'm, I'm not sure I've gone to the Bundesliga. As a... No, that's what I'm saying. I think that was misguided. I think a few people thought that Union Berlin yeah. are, are one of the big guns, but at the moment they're, they're going to be. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, 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 they're ambitious. They're trying to push for Champions League. So no, I think that's what I mean. That the, the impression was that why is they going to Union Berlin? It's not Bayern Munich or Borussia Dortmund or. Yeah, yeah, these things it's the same, um, it's Union Berlin, but they are going to be of course, of course. As you have to remember, with Joseph Juranovic signed for Celtic, Celtic weren't even the big gun in Scotland. No, this is true. <laughs> so, true. you have to be prepared to, to mm. believe in what you're signing in, into, as he did. Yeah, and rewards. Well, very interesting, someone in general, I think, because I think there'll mm. be interesting players and manager. And just to finish, guys, uh, you know, it feels like the, the season's winding down, but we've got another derby next week. And, and talking about Ange, I think he's the type of character that will want to go there and really ram home his dominance or his side's dominance. I find this whole thing fascinating, Daniel, at the end of the season because, you know, it's been a long season. Guys have played a lot of games. Guys have missed games with Ange. The temptation has to be to leave guys out, maybe give some guys a rest. But we've all seen it before with teams when, you know, you come off the gas and it's very hard to turn it back on again. And I know... Just about everybody will say, oh, it's Inverness, it's a championship team, they'll get the job done. But Celtic don't think like that. That's not the way they are. Um, I th- at my own, I, c- I could be totally wrong with this. I'm not sure records and points records and goal records and that, I'm not sure that big a deal. Um, in terms of, you know, it's more important to win, you know, that we keep going because it's more important to get the treble done and, and win that trophy and go down in history doing that as winning the treble as opposed to breaking records. So I don't think it would have any concerns about leaving out players in terms of, of points totals and things like that, but just in terms of losing flow before the final because it's a balancing act because a lot of guys disappear and they go and play international football mm-hmm. when the season's when the season's finished. What's the date for the Scotland games, Michael? 17th and 20th of June? Yeah. Yeah, all, I mean, the international calendar's almost running to the end of June. You know, Celtic do have this great bonus that they don't have the qualifiers that were the scepter of so many summers having to come back and fight their way through Champions League qualifiers. They don't have it this season, they don't have it next season. That is a bonus, but guys are not going to get much time off in the summer, so it's interesting how they play it. But, excuse me, in my heart of hearts, I think they probably play strongest team all the way through, but I, I agree with that. Uh, he'll, he'll play strongest team next week at Ibrox, Mike, won't he? He will. He will. But it, listen, it, listen. They'll, they'll talk it up, and they're talking about going all, all guns blazing. But I think it's, it's only natural. They put so much into this season, and I've seen it in recent weeks. They put in so much to to get to this point. It's hard to get back up the mountain again when they know there's not really the demand for it now. Um, so I think it's going to be difficult. To produce, I mean, we saw, we've seen it in years past. Once the, the title was in the bag, I've seen it in these derby games as well. That it's a wee bit flatter. Um, 
not not by not by kind of design, just by human nature. They're not quite the same intensity. I think the one last year, the one each one last year towards the end, didn't really have the same intensity. That, that was different. It was still relatively alive, kind of, wasn't it, at that point? But um, I think so, probably the most recent example for Celtic, Michael, you can correct me if I've got this wrong, Daniel, but I think a Neil Lennon team went to Ibrox, didn't they, when they'd already won the title? Mm-hmm. And they were just so flat. Remember all, all, Ollie Burke up front and stuff like that? And plenty and of that was the thing. That went and they, just, they were trying, of course they were trying, but it just felt like it didn't really matter for Celtic. But well, then, then everybody then listening to this podcast will be going bonkers. It's an old firm game and it, it, of course it matters. But I think Michael's right. It's just, it, it, it's inevitable. And, you, see, and, you see it in every league in the world. I think and, the, the team gets over the line, it's hard. I think you're right. Len, Neil Lennon's team lost at Ibrox after the after that the potato, didn't they? Uh, after yeah. the year that Rodgers had left. Yeah, that's yeah, the one. Um, that's the one. And I think even during that period, I think in the Rodgers period, I think there was a an old firm game as well, wasn't it? It was a kind of low key one, a draw or something like that as well. So I, it does happen. Um, especially, I mean, I think even I'm looking back through the years. I mean, Martin Neil's teams that were that were, that were a few of the titles, the one they were won by a mile. And after they won the title, there was a wee bit of a drop off, and they dropped a few points here and there. I think remember they lost a un- long unbeaten run to Dundee, was it? Um, they lost at home. I think Brendan Rogers was it Brendan Rogers' the team that lost on Trophy Day to Aberdeen. Aye, aye, that's a good. Aye, it was one now. Aye, yeah. I think Martin O'Neill's team might have lost on Trophy Day to Dunfermline. There's been yeah. all sorts of crazy results at the end of the season. So. It, it and that's the reason why these these record totals are really hard. I mean, especially when you get to it's close like it is now. To keep going, it's all right saying. I think the first year under Rogers, the Benzel season, I think he did incentivize them so much to get that record unbeaten. That was that was driving them. The unbeaten thing was driving them on towards it. Even even after the title was wrapped up, long after the title was wrapped up, it was all it was all about remaining unbeaten, wasn't it? You've never been done before. And to be fair, I, I might be talking about a rubbish boss. The cover might be exactly the same for this points total. It might be. It might well they, be. They go down as the greatest, you know, that might yeah. never be surpassed. It might never yeah. be surpassed. Remember, when Rogers came out afterwards and he said that he'd set seven goals for his team that season, and one of them was 100 points, one was 100 goals, one of them was the whole season, the treble, the other one. I can't remember. There was, there was seven. I think we only found out six of them. They all dropped one point. I tried two point, one draw all season until I think got to Rangers in the March. They dropped points against Partick in Ross County um, towards the end of the season. So even them, they managed to keep it say invincible, but they still took the foot off a wee bit, um, purely because it's human nature. So it does make it hard for them. Um, I'm sorry you're saying they want to go out and put a statement out, hammer home or dominance, and all this kind of stuff. Rangers have got a lot to play for as well. They've got, I mean, they are down and wounded. They're getting dogs abuse from their own punters and all that stuff. They're going to come out all guns blazing, try and salvage some kind of pride. So it's, it's a difficult one uh, this weekend. Sorry, it's saying, yeah, they're going to go and do this, that, next thing. But it's another thing going doing it. Well, whatever happens next week, we'll be back with another Record Celtic podcast. I should say, Craig, Michael, as always, it's uh, it's always a pleasure. No worries, guys. Enjoy some of the rain. <laughs> um, thanks, and I should say, thanks very much for listening. And we'll be back next week. Cheers. Cheers.